I'm talking a little bit today about limits. And uh, our theme for the year has been around faith, and so it sort of ties in, but I'm not calling it faith. It's about facing your limits. And I'm talking about something that's, I think, countercultural to the society we live in that sort of tells us that we can be bigger, better, greater. And yet all of us who are sitting here in this room would face limitations. And we don't really know always what to do with them. Sometimes we bring them to God and we feel like nothing has changed with the limits that, we've, that we have encountered in our lives. And so I'm gonna, I want you to think primarily about where you sit right now in your own season of life and what personal limitations you're experiencing. So let, let me give you a little bit of an idea as I, I stimulate your thoughts around your own limitations. So for example... You may have come from a family that was a broken home and you feel that that was a limitation in setting you up for a life. And maybe you have some uh, regrets around the family you were born in. Um, Sometimes we don't have parents that can uh, have the skills to look after us that well or to parent us that well or we don't feel that they were present. They may have been physically there but not present in an emotional sense. Uh, Or maybe you had a parent that was absent or both parents are absent and you were brought up by somebody else. Um, Maybe you have financial limitations, so there's things that you want to do or um, struggles that you have in terms of where you live, paying your bills. Um, There can be other limitations like caring for someone in your family who's disabled um, and all the limitations that brings. If you're single, you have limitations. If you're married, you have limitations. Is that not right? So it doesn't really matter where you sit, in life we all have limitations but they're different for all of us depending on where we are. Maybe you have some fragile emotions so maybe anxiety can be overwhelming for you at times and uh, maybe depression or you're not really sure um, what the sense of sadness is that, that sometimes you experience in your own life and so you have to manage, we all have to manage our limitations regardless of what they are. Um, Maybe you made a decision in your past and you have regrets about that because it took you down a path that actually had consequences that still exist today and you feel that that was a limitation. So even though you regret the decisions you made maybe when you were younger or being you know, in a peer group setting and, and doing something you wouldn't normally do, but the consequences you feel are still a limitation. Some of us has physical limitations in our bodies. Um, you know, As I get older, I can't see as well. Um, so I brought my glasses this week in my pocket because last time I spoke I couldn't read the scripture, do you remember? But that's a limitation, right? Um, sometimes your hearing goes or you know, just as you get older or maybe you're born with a limitation physically. Sometimes the season we sit in life, you know, in, when you're a teenager you don't know much although you think you do. When you hit your 20s, you know, that, there's limitations there as well because you're trying to maybe... Uh, make your own life away from your own parents and set up your own future. Uh, You hit your 30s and you're trying to build careers or, you know, again, pay your bills or maybe you get married and want to have a family and you face limitations there. You get to your 40s and there's pressure at work and pressure at home, there's limitations there. You get to your 50s like me, you can't see as well as you used to. There's limitations there. I'll stop there because as you get older and older, there are more limitations uh, from what I'm told anyway. Um, I haven't got there quite yet. Maybe your intellectual capacity is limited. So you wish you were more intelligent or could learn things quicker or easier 
or your learning ability is limited. So certainly for me, I can't read or write properly and it's, I have to really focus to read well. Um, I certainly cannot write very well. Everything I write has to be proofread by somebody else. That's a limitation that I consistently carry. And so learning things takes quite a bit of energy and effort for me. And maybe you face something similar or just in terms of you just wish you're a bit more intelligent. And you're, I think often what we do is we compare ourselves to other people and what strengths they have when we look at our own weaknesses or limitations. Um, spiritually, we have limits. You don't have all the gifts. Nobody can have all the gifts. Um, we're, we're in a body of believers like this at Union Hill Church because we're all different and we all bring something into the family. And so spiritually, we're all limited. We can't do everything and we certainly don't have all the gifts. Past failures, limiting. Maybe English is not your first language or you're immigrated from another country. English is my first language and I have enough trouble with it anyway. I'm severely limited with English. I don't know how anyone who's not born in an English-speaking country can pick it up and follow it um, because for me who was born here, I find it very difficult to follow and spell. You know, like I before E except after C and that's not always true. That's, that's a limitation right there. Um, Personality-wise, we have limits. So some people are extroverts and they get a lot of energy um, and they feel sort of revved up when they meet new people. They love company. You might be an introvert. And so you don't really, you don't get energy from being around a lot of people. But both of them, regardless of where you are on the scale, have limits. Personalities have limits. So limitations are all around us and I want you to think about some limitation that you're facing as we come to God's word today. I think part of the problem is we tend to feel shame around our limitations or our weaknesses. Um, We don't really want other people to know about our limits and... There's a sense of, I wish that I could improve or be better because of the limits. We hide the limitations that we experience and the weaknesses that we carry, um, either physically, emotionally, relationally, all the other things that I've mentioned. And But it's interesting, I'm going to show you a passage of scripture that actually talks about celebrating your limitations. And it's just, it's just so much different to the culture that we sit in that tells us the opposite thing. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read it to you from the message translation. Um, and I've chosen that because I like the way uh, the translator has brought out the, the spirit of the text or the words, the, not just the actual literal uh, word meanings in the, in the Greek language it was written in, but really the colour that's in those words in the original Greek. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 7 to 10. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to keep me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty, At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a 
was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weaknesses. Now I take limitations in my stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over and so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Now, if you've been a Christian for a number of years, you'll know that passage, but probably more in a more um, translation that's a bit more official. So it talks about when I am weak, he is strong. Let me just unpack what's happening here. So, of course, Paul is writing at least his second um, instructions to a church in Corinth. Now, that church in Corinth knew Paul very, very well. And in actual fact, they were facing one particular issue, which he's addressing here. The problem was... After he had left that church, the number of people had come into the church and they considered themselves to be a super church leader. A super apostle is what some translations call it. If you read the very paragraph before this one, you'll see that phrase, super apostles. They thought that they were better than someone like Paul and here's why. They had received revelations from God, at least that's what they were claiming, And they thought those revelations or spiritual insights and their giftedness of of exercising spiritual authority and signs and wonders and working miracles actually gave them a higher authority than what the Apostle Paul had, who had led and ministered as a leader in this church. And so in his absence, this group had risen up and started to convince the congregation that they were stronger more spiritually gifted and had more spiritual revelation and insight than Paul. So why would you listen to what Paul had to say when we're here? So that's effectively what was happening. So Paul's writing to them because they ask him about this group. They want to know his his input and his ideas about these revelations and these concepts. That's why at the very first uh, verse 7 there, he talks about his revelations or the insight that Jesus allowed him to see. And if you read in a traditional translation, particularly the first few verses of that chapter, he speaks about being taken up into the third heaven. And he talks about it in a, like the third person. He says, I know a man, but he's actually talking about himself. And at some stage, Jesus actually took him into the, what's called the third heaven. But he said he he wasn't aware whether he was in his physical body or whether he was out of his physical body. But he says, none of that matters. Now listen to me very carefully here, because we live in a Christian version of Western society where we still look for things that are bigger, better. So it's easy for us to be mesmerised or dazzled by people who claim they have a greater insight than all of us. And they say it comes from God and we've heard from the Lord and you should listen to this because I have this great revelation or insight. Now what Paul is saying is, that stuff doesn't matter. This is very countercultural because we seek it, don't we? We want more you know, understanding and insight and revelation from God. We think that's what carries us through life is by getting something that nobody else has of some revelation spiritually from God. But Paul actually says, well, if you want to boast or if you want to brag about the insights and the revelations you've received... I've probably received more than all of those guys put together, but that sort of boasting leads to nothing. 
Now, in our Christian communities, we have to be careful because we get people who, you know, write books or they become you know, popular on a speaking circuit where they say about all the things that God's shown them, the revelations they've seen, and yet we have in the written word of God clear instruction that don't boast in that type of revelation. If you receive it, your spiritual giftedness doesn't come from what you've seen because Christ has allowed it. Your giftedness comes from God's grace in your limitations and weaknesses. It just, it just, it's upside down. Because we're looking for, you know, we live in a world uh, that wants more. And we bring that into the church where we're seeking, you know, we want more signs and wonders. And we certainly, God is a God of signs and wonders. I'm not minimising any of that stuff. And people do have revelations from God that are unique and individual to them. That's true. But if you start boasting or seeking after that as if that's the measure of your spirituality, it's not. The measure of your true spirituality is God's strength in your limitation. It's totally upside down. It's back to front. It sort of doesn't make sense in our, in our Western way of assuming that we should be increasing when we actually, God says, well, I'm gonna, he said to Paul, I'll keep your limitations. I'll work through them. That's the greater glory. Not knowing all this spiritual stuff of the future or having insights into the heavenlies. You know why that's not the greater glory? Because it doesn't help any of us actually be disciples in this life right now. It might be true, but it doesn't help us to get through our every day and to preach the gospel to other people. And that's why really the greater glory that God has for us is the reason he gives us all limitations is to keep us humble and that his strength is actually made, the word means um, when it comes to you know, my, when you are weak, I am strong. It actually means it, the strength comes into fullness. It's realised in totality, not by taking away our limitations, but by working through them or in spite of them. There's a purpose for all of our limitations. Every one of us in this room has them. They're personal. Sometimes they're very painful, like they were for Paul. But there's a reason we have them. Let's not get bamboozled or, you know, almost bewitched by people who say they've had greater revelation and therefore you should follow me because that is not how God works now God gives people revelation no denying that but the greater revelation is our obedience and allowing his power to work through our limitations that's what speaks to the world speaks to the rest of us and you know when we get to know each other in a congregation like this is we realize we're all broken vessels God chooses to use us in our limited, weak brokenness. Now, yes, God does heal us and restore us, but sometimes he says, no, my grace and my strength come to complete fullness in the midst of your limit. I'm not going to take that limit from you. That's the boasting that Paul chooses to use on how he was a true spiritual leader not because of all the great things that God had shown him, and God showed him many things that you and I will never see in this lifetime. But he had severe limitations. So these, these super spiritual apostles or church leaders exaggerated their own importance. And here's one of the problems I, I note from human behaviour, is when you do have a word from God that is unique and really revelatory, is it inflates your ego. You think you're something special. We're not. We're all the same. We're nothing but dust, are we? Our bodies are dirt. 
that God breathed into and gave us life. And it's not, it doesn't make us special for having a position or for having a certain ministry or getting certain revelations or being able to actually lay hands on people and heal them or to give people words. That's, we never boast in that because it's actually not us who's doing it. I mean, that's the irony, right? Think about it. It's the Spirit of God flowing through us that does it. It has, in effect, it's nothing to do with me, nothing to do with you. And so we don't boast in our spiritual giftedness or ability or revelation or insight. We, this is crazy, we boast in our weakness. I find it hard to read and write, but here I am, a Bible teacher. It's not me. I mean, this is how it works. This is how God works. So it's countercultural because, let me go to the first point, thanks, go to the next slide, thanks, Dale. I'm just quoting the way it's being translated in these next few slides. He says, keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Why don't you pray that prayer this week? Lord, keep me in constant touch with my limitations. That's straight from the message paraphrase. We don't want to be in touch with our limitations, do you? I don't. They're painful. They're difficult. You know, I'm told often in some church cultures I should be an overcomer. And we end up living in denial. I actually knew a guy that um, had to wear glasses and he got it in his head one day that, you know, he shouldn't have to wear them and God's got to heal him and he took his glasses off. He's banging into everything around the place. He couldn't see where he was going. Now, if God speaks to you that he's going to heal you, go for it. But accept your limitations because God uses them. Not, not, he doesn't give them to you just because he wants to make life difficult. He, he allows them because his power and grace is stronger than your limitation. And so when people see you doing things that they know you could never really do yourself, they know it's God. That's the thing with Paul. And so what a, what a great phrase. I was just so touched, taken back by the way it's translated here. Keep me in constant touch with my limitations because it's countercultural. You know, when I was growing up, you know, whether it's in school or, you know, relatives, um, people who mean well, we often say to young people, you can be anything you want. You could be an Olympian. You could be a doctor. You could be a lawyer. You could, you could plan a church. You could do this. You know, you could be prime minister. You can be president. Well, we know anyone can be president. We know that. You can be anything you want. But maybe in God's kingdom, we have to all live with our limitations. We think we should be bigger, better, and we become vitriolic, and it's a form of denial. We don't celebrate the limitation just for the sake of it. Any form of suffering or limitation in and of itself doesn't accomplish anything unless you allow God's grace and power to work through you in the midst of it. You don't deny it or you don't say, no, I haven't got it, you know, if if I just believe more, if I just pray more, if I just have more faith. Paul prayed three times. Now, he may have prayed more than exactly three times because the style of writing that he uses is a way of saying repeatedly, I ask God, take this away. That's the true meaning. So he does use the word three, but he may have done it more than three times. And in the end, God says to him, no, the limitation's going to stay. That thorn that you're carrying, it's going to stay. But he learned one of the greatest spiritual lessons by being in touch with that limitation, and that is he can only boast in the sufficiency of Christ, not because he gets revelation or planted churches or could preach or teach, probably like nobody else on the planet, at least at that point in history. 
He couldn't boast in that stuff. Now, by the way, it was common for leaders in, in his culture to boast on certain things and achievements. So he takes this opposite tact and says, well, I'm not going to boast in those things. So our Western culture sends us messages consistently about there being no limits. We break records regularly, you know, in sporting events, um, land speed records, sound barrier. We, we live in a world, you know, man's gone on the moon. We live in a world where we think we're limitless. We're not. Only God is limitless. We have limits. And the resistance of our limitations is to deny the work that God wants to do in our lives. Keep me in touch with my limitations. All creation has limits. You and I cannot do anything and everything that we want to do, and only God has that ability. In fact, the base of our Christianity is Christ-likeness, and that is living life in the midst of weakness, um, being a broken vessel, and limitations. Now, what this thorn was that Paul has, theologians have no idea. There's a lot of discussion. I read one theological paper that talked about they could nominate at least 36 different possibilities. Some people, because he doesn't actually say what it was, and it's a way of him saying it was very personal and painful, some people said he might have had a speech impediment, and here he is speaking and preaching for the Lord. Some people say it was a physical condition or an illness, so... Um, might be some sort of rash or leprosy is, is, is often touted around. Other people say it was some of the people that are harassing him all the time. So, you know, he had to escape for his life while he's preaching. Um, so they don't really know what it is. But here's the point. It doesn't matter what it was because he's not boasting in the weakness. He's boasting in God's strength that happens even though he has to carry that weakness. So we don't focus on what it could be and we all, we all carry our own it was painful, we know that from the way he's writing. But finally God says to him, you don't get it. You don't understand that this weakness or this limit in your life will actually help you to stop becoming prideful, conceited. The word, the word conceited or, or, or humility, to stop being conceited, it literally means to be pushed into the ground. It's, it's actually a visual image, that word, in the original language. And it's the idea of being pushed or squashed into the dirt. Grounded is probably not a bad translation. Now, we use the word grounded in English, you know, to say, oh, that person's grounded. And we mean that they've really got their feet on the ground. They're aware of who they are and who they're not. They're comfortable in their own skin. You know, they haven't got a big head. That's where the idea comes from. That actually our, our limitations keep us humble or grounded before God. So let's go to the next slide. So keep me in touch with my limitations. Here's the next thing that I just pulled out of that translation. Quick focusing on the handicap. And listen to this. Start appreciating the gift. A gift? A limitation is a gift? What? When's the last time you said that about your physical limitation, relational limitation, whatever it is, your career limitation? Oh, yes, Lord, that's a gift. We're so busy asking God to take it away, just like Paul did. So here's the thing. Why is it a gift? Why is a limitation a gift? Because it pins us to the necessity of always knowing Christ. That thorn in his flesh 
actually that thorn ineffectively pinned him to Christ in a relational way. So regardless of what revelation, knowledge, healings, miracles, preachings, churches he planted, he knew none of that was worth boasting about, but just the grace and the liberty that Jesus had for him personally because he was nothing but a man, a broken, limited man. And this is the thing about limitations. They pin us to Christ like nothing else can. That word thorn is, you know, you see it in sort of old movies where they have those big sort of stakes in the ground. So if an invading army comes around a city or a village, that's actually the imagery that's used. That's that sort of thorn that can be a big stake or it could even be a fish hook. They use the same word. But the imagery is about you just can't, if you come through it, you're going to get impaled. And that's how he was feeling. In fact, in Numbers 33... Verse 55, the same phrase is used. Now remember, Paul was a rabbi. Um, before he encountered Jesus, he knew the Old Testament inside out. And he's quoting that verse on purpose. It talks about the enemies that God didn't drive out of the land, the promised land, to keep the Israelites humble. And it uses two phrases. They're a barb in my eye, which was a common Hebrew phrase for you'd use it against another person who was giving you trouble. They were a barb in my eye and they're a thorn in my side. Numbers 33, 55, he's, he's just quoting that verse. Because he wanted the Corinthian followers of Jesus to understand there is a purpose in weakness and limitations. And even though we want to avoid them or we get attracted to someone who, you know, we compare ourselves to people that don't have the same limitations that we do. We often don't know their limitations, by the way. But we think, you know, we often compare ourselves to people who have great gifts or great strengths or great abilities and we think, I wish I could do that or I wish I could do this or I wish I could be like that. But God says, no, he's created you a certain way and you don't see their struggles, their issues, their limitations. You've got to stop comparing yourself to people that you think are giants or stronger or better than you and focusing yourself on what Christ is doing in and through you. That's the only boasting we do. And that's why, you know, my prayer is for us as a congregation, we never exalt a personality or exalt another person because that's not the spirit of Christ. We are all sinners saved by grace. You know, we all can see each other's humanity from time to time, our brokenness, our dysfunctionness. And that's the moment where the grace and the power of God should come to the forefront in our lives. That is a greater glory than signs, miracles, revelation. So the power of Jesus isn't just covering his limitation, his thorn. One theologian I read says the language talks about it taking up residence in the midst of it. So God just doesn't just cover our limitations. His power actually comes and lives in the middle of it. What, what a great idea or concept. Now listen, this is the very heart of the gospel because there's two things we can do when we talk about limitations, problems or suffering. Number one, we can glorify people who are more spiritually gifted than we are. And we are not to do that. Clearly, that's what Paul's trying to avoid. He's not going to get into this tug-of-war match of whether the super apostles in, in the church in Corinth were better than him. He's not even yet going there. He's saying, well, that's a pointless boasting. It, it, does, it achieves nothing. There's no maturity. There's no personal growth. There's no discipleship that comes out of those sort of conversations. I'm not even going to touch that. In fact, if you want me to boast about anything, it's not what God has seen or shown me or got me to do. 
It's because I'm a limited man who carries this physical thorn in my side, whatever it was, and it's in those moments I feel his greatest power. Not his preaching, not his visions, but in the midst of his limit. Just, it's just incredible. God's power is not dis- doesn't displace his limitation. God's power does not remove it. God's power does not overcome it. God leaves the limitation in his life, but God's power comes into full strength in the midst of it. So he could still have visions, signs and wonders, plant churches, preach the gospel, despite limitation. That's the point. They knew that he was a limited human being. The people at Corinth knew his humanity, his weaknesses. So don't get attracted to people who think they're more gifted or you think they're more gifted than you are. That's not a boasting or not a focus that God requires us to have. And the other thing we can do, which is not the gospel, is a gospel where we always talk about how difficult our struggle with sin and the flesh is. Paul doesn't get engaged in that either. In fact, for Paul, this is the gospel. Knowing Christ in the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering. Two things. Philippians 3. He said, my desire is to know Christ in his power of the resurrection, but to participate, to join him in his sufferings. Think about this. There's probably no greater limitation in all of creation than God becoming a human being. He chose to be limited. Walked the earth, knew what it's like to feel pain, hunger, not sleep, people chasing him, wanting to kill him. The God of all creation that holds all things together, that's the greatest limitation you could ever have. The all-powerful God becoming a limited human. So despite weaknesses or limitations of any messenger in God's kingdom, the Spirit's power is undeniable. That's the point. Undeniable. So people who are attracted to the glory of God demonstrated by visions, dreams, revelations, healing, supernatural moves, they think that's the greatest glory of God. But the greatest glory of God is the fact that he lives in me and I'm limited. And my limitation doesn't stop him doing what he wants to do through me. Not because of me, but through me. So here's, here's the last thing I'm going to show you. If I get the worship team to come up as well. The last phrase actually in that verse that we read in verse 10. Traditional translations say, when I am weak, he is strong. The message translation puts it just so delightful. It it's delightful. I mean, I, I could eat, chew this, you know, digest it, meditate on this phrase that, that is in this text. The weaker I get, the stronger I become. Oh, what a beautiful way of putting that. When's the last time you said that to somebody? Oh, yes, brother, the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Praise God. Well, it just, it just captures the spirit of what Paul's trying to communicate to this church who's, who's being bewitched by these people who think they're super Christians, super Christian leaders. And they've got all these gifts and all these words and everything's happening. And, you know, Paul says, whoa, we don't focus on anybody but Christ. And limits have a purpose. So the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Quit focusing on the handicap as it's a problem. 
but appreciate it's a gift because the weaker you get, the stronger you become. Think about this. The more limited you are, the more stronger you are. That's the kingdom of God. The more limitations you have in your life, the stronger God flows through us. Bible examples. Abraham and Sarah had a child in old age. What about Joseph, the limitations he faced? What about Elijah and Jeremiah? Both of them suffered, were really from anxiety. They were suicidal, both of them, at certain points because of the opposition they were facing. Even though they did great signs and wonders, I mean, incredible things they both did, but limited. Timothy, a young, young man leading a congregation in Ephesus, and that was countercultural. A young person leading older people was almost unacceptable. And so Paul has to write to him and say, don't be fearful because of your age. He's limited because of his age, but God has him there running the church. Not because he's young, but in spite, got to work through it in spite of that limitation. I mean, we could go right through it. I mentioned Jesus. So it's the opposite way to we think. We run from limits and God says, no, I've placed limits in our lives because it's my power that's going to come through there. Now, limits are universal for every single person. There's not one of us in this room that doesn't probably aware of some limits that we face and they can be quite difficult for us to even think about, let alone talk to anyone else about. Limits cut, cut across all different social barriers. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are, how wealthy you are or how poor you are. It doesn't matter what sort of life that you're living at the moment. It doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are or maybe you don't think you're spiritual. It doesn't matter the colour of your skin. It doesn't matter the culture that you came out of. Nothing of that matters. Your age doesn't matter. Limits are a human, universal experience. But for Christians, it's the key thing that the power of God works through. We don't glory in our limitations. We glory in the fact that God lives in the midst of them and works us works through them in spite of our limitations. So they might vary in, in what we all have in this room. They might vary in their intensity for us personally. But it doesn't mean that God is not in the midst of them. So the question I'm really posing to you as I bring this to a close is how do you view limits? How do you view your personal limits? The weaker I get, the stronger I become. It's an incredible spiritual truth. So the question is, God is making you face your limits because he's trying to make you stronger through his power, not through your ability, your intelligence, not through you trying to self-help. Your limits are the place that God can actually move and flow through you despite what you think your limitations are. Your limits are actually a gift to the church. Think about that for a minute. If God's going to work through our limits, that's how he uses us. We don't have to get bigger, better. We don't have to get fixed all the time. But our giftedness to his body, to this church, to the broader kingdom, to, you know, to the kingdom of God worldwide, comes through the limitations that often we try and avoid, hide, deny, run from, it's actually through that gift that our, really our brokenness is the gift to the world. Our weaknesses is a gift to God's church. 
and to His body. So we have to embrace our limits. Everything is limited. All creation is limited. Time is limited. Today is limited. Tomorrow will be limited. There's limits in a week, limits in a month. There's limits to where you live, in your suburb or the actual home that you live in. There's limits in your workplace. There's limits in a church structure. Everything's got limits. We don't have to be super apostles to overcome them. We boast in our limitations because that's where God works through us the most. So let me ask you this question as I bring it to a close. How do you know when you're stepping over those limitations, when you're sort of denying them or you sort of think, no, that's not true, I'm going to trust God and you know it's not going to happen that way or that's not me anymore. Well, I think when you find yourself hurrying, you know, anxious, you're stressful, you're trying to do something that maybe you feel you haven't got the capacity to do, you're not really present, you're controlling your circumstances, you're manipulating not only yourself but often other people in your life because you're trying to deny the limitations that you carry. But it's out of my limits that you cross the line when you feel that way. You need to know when you cross that line because if you ignore your limits, you end up in big, there's consequences for trying to do things outside of your limits. But it's submitting yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit that makes a difference. So why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray with you. We're going to worship the Lord with one more song. Because God says, I have power for you in your limits. I have revelation for you in your limits. I, have, I want to commune with you, minister to you in your limits. The weaker you get, the stronger you become. Let me finish with this one final thought. You may think you're the least blessed person either in this church or in the kingdom of God because of a limitation you have. But really what this text is teaching us, you're the most blessed. It's totally upside down. You're the most blessed. You're aware of your limitations and you allow God to use you in spite of it and flow through that brokenness. You are more blessed than someone who thinks they're a super apostle. That's the revelation. That's the true glory of God because you are unique. God has created you to minister and to give yourself into His church, to His people, because He's formed you the way He has and you carry that limitation for the purposes of God. You're a gift. And so we have to understand that it's not, it's not, we're not least blessed because we carry a fault or a limitation, but because... God's created us that way. The weaker I get, the stronger I become. Let's close your eyes for a moment. I want you to think about what limit you might be carrying. Maybe it's something, probably something you're a little bit anxious about or something you're struggling to, to walk through life with right now. I want you to think about the season of life you're in, the things that you're facing that you feel are a limit. We're just going to bring it before the Lord and ask for His grace, power to flow through it. Just hang on to what it is for one moment. Just let the Holy Spirit come and speak to you personally. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. 
I'm not asking you to join a church or a particular religion. I'm talking about how does someone make a relationship with Christ who gave himself on that cross and sends his Holy Spirit to live in us today. And all you have to do is make a decision to find out more about Jesus. How do you follow him? How do you live your life according to his teachings? That One of them you've heard today. And all you have to do is, is put your hand up. If that's you, if you want to make a decision for the first time, just put your hand up. I'm going to, we're going to get a Bible to you. Someone's going to come and have a chat to you at the end of the service and explain how it works. There's going to be no pressure. We're going to give you a little Bible, show you how to use it. Is there anyone here that wants to make that decision for the first time? Now, if that's you, you can come and chat to me after the service. I'll tell you what I did and why I continue to follow the teachings of Christ in my life today. Now, that limit you're thinking of, Father God, we want to be so humble and cautious that we don't boast in how spiritual we think we've become through revelation, through signs and wonders. But we only boast in the fact that in our weakness, in our limits, your power comes into fullness. And Lord, my, my prayer is that for all of us here, Lord, who are aware of the limitation that we carry, even though we'd rather be set free from it instantaneously, if you allow it to continue in our lives, that your grace-filled power would work through it and we'd be able to use that brokenness to minister life and health through the power of your Holy Spirit to other people. Lord, we don't glory in our suffering alone. We glory in the miraculous, graceful power that lives in us despite our limitations. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now and rest on all of us and minister this truth, this great revelation that the true glory of God lives in us in our limitations. Father, have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together, shall we, just before we finish our service.